BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Elisa Pressman, and today I want to have a conversation with you, just the two of us, <laughs> about compassion, cultivating compassion in your family and in the larger world. And first, I'm going to talk about the science of compassion, and then I'm going to give you some concrete mindfulness tools so that you can grow that muscle every day, every week whenever you feel inspired. If you enjoy this episode, please write a review in Apple Podcasts and give a five-star rating. It helps me so much, helps get the word out, and helps more people have access to this content. Let me start by saying that compassion helps us understand how to relate. In particular, it helps us understand how to relate to our children. And when we're in relationships, we are less reactive, we're more responsive. And that reactivity is often the thing that happens that we regret in our interactions. So when you apply compassion, for example, to discipline, you're protecting the closeness of your relationship and you're coming at the discipline from that place of teaching, guiding, understanding, and supporting And that's going to give you the more long-term success, I say in quotes. And it has a huge impact on not only your child's well-being, but your well-being, your partner's well-being, and not to get too woo-woo on you, but really our planet, our entire community, and larger world benefits. So first, I'm going to talk about the science of compassion because that's the approach that I take. And then I'm going to get into the practical tools, which are rooted in science, but they're also rooted in mindfulness and meditation. So pick whichever lane you feel most comfortable. It all is part of the same message, which is compassion is a huge part of our capacity to relate in the world and to survive and thrive. There's also a little bit of a misunderstanding about compassion that it's the same thing as empathy. So first, I guess I should back up and say that When we encounter something and we feel motivated to relieve, to take action, to support, that is compassion. So empathy is a pathway to compassion because first you feel the feelings of the other. You start to really imagine what the experience of the other is, feel 
potentially in very real in your body, particularly when it's your child. But empathy does not move you toward action. And so that is something that I want to be clear about because if you just empathize, you will burn out. That's a real risk for caregivers. It's a risk for people in the helping profession. It is a real risk for parents. So rather than just sitting in, I'm feeling your pain because I love you and I feel all your feelings, separating yourself will actually serve you. And then I want to just acknowledge that being mindful is a part of compassion because when you are present, you can actually pay attention to what another person is feeling and going through. Then you feel compelled to respond because you're there sitting with it. You're not dissociating. You're not thinking about something else. So you can really be attuned to another person. And that's why mindfulness is a pathway to compassion. I like Tara Brock's definition of compassion. It really resonates with me. So I'm going to tell you Tara Brock is a psychologist and also a beautiful mindfulness teacher. She says, compassion can be described as letting ourselves be touched by the vulnerability and suffering that is within ourselves and all beings. The full flowering of compassion also includes action. Not only do we attune to the presence of suffering, we respond to it. So how does something like that have a scientific explanation? That's my job. (laughs) That is what I'm going to tell you. There is a biological basis of compassion, and then there's an environmental basis of compassion. And I love approaching the discussion in the context of science, but with the openness of the human spirit and connection that keeps us all so closely connected and not separate. Because the more we separate, the more we think of others as not related the less we have capacity for compassion. Thinking about both recent studies on the biological basis of compassion and going all the way back to the theory of evolution, we are wired to respond to others in need. So there are psychologists who found that mothers looking at pictures of their babies not only reported feeling more compassionate love when they saw their own babies, but actually they showed activity in their brain that is associated with the positive emotions of compassion for others, which is so incredible. So it's not just compassion to take care of your offspring, but when you have those feelings, it kind of lights up the pathway to be this way in the world around you. There have also been studies that found that when subjects experienced just the thoughts of harm being done to others. So thinking about children in Ukraine, thinking about kids being separated from their parents, the same activity in the brains of these people lit up, which suggests that compassion is actually not irrational, but a rational human emotion that we are wired for. We don't want to think that anybody is suffering. And when someone is suffering, we want to move to action to alleviate that suffering. And of course, it's part of how we survive. It's part of evolution because we then take care of one another. And when you take care of others in this compassionate way, 
you get lit up, legitimately lit up in those reward centers of the brain. And so you're benefiting from it. So that brain that we have is seemingly wired to respond to other people's suffering and then feel good when we can. When we can alleviate that suffering, we can take action, we feel better. And so that and the soothing that it gives us in our autonomic nervous system, when we can take action, we can come out of our fight, flight, or freeze mode to regulate ourselves. And so there are so many benefits when we're threatened, when we go into our stress response, as I've talked about, we have an increased heart rate, our baseline levels of all those autonomic systems, which are your autonomic nervous system is basically like all the things that just happen automatically, your saliva, your heart rate, you you might feel sweaty palms, all of those things that go up. When you experience compassion, you get a heart rate that goes down to baseline. You come out of fight, flight, or freeze, and you go into approaching action and soothing. So why that happens is you get a a boost of the dopamine, the reward centers of your brain light up, and oxytocin, which when oxytocin is floating in your bloodstream, you feel calmer. That's that love that love hormone that people think about, it promotes long-term benefits and love and caring and connection. So, you know, breastfeeding mothers have boosts of oxytocin. Hugging someone for 20 seconds gives you a boost of oxytocin. Compassion gives you a boost. And so research shows that people who act on compassion who do those things that express compassionate love, even if it's as simple as looking at someone in a soothing and loving way with a smile or putting your hand on your heart or touching someone's hand in an affirming way, that's going to boost oxytocin. So being compassionate makes your body have a chemical reaction to motivate more compassion. And compassion has been shown to reduce heart disease. So, I mean, there are just many benefits to compassion, not just the benefit to the other, but the person who's being compassionate. And with so much suffering in the world, one of the best antidotes to that suffering is cultivating compassion. And when I say cultivating compassion, I just mean growing it in your body because we feel better, others feel better. This is therapeutic. This is a scientific perspective. This is adaptive. It builds resilience. And we know from science also that the emotions you experience that are considered more positive, easier, the ones that feel goods, that we are more primed to grow those than we are negative ones. So for example, and I know I don't like to consider emotions negative and positive. I prefer to think challenging versus easier emotions. But in this science, positive emotions are associated with more plasticity than the negative emotions. So it's actually, what that's saying is it's easier to grow compassion. It's easier to cultivate this than it is to cultivate the indifference than it is to cultivate the anger, than it is to cultivate the bitterness. 
So since it's easier to cultivate in our day-to-day and we are wired for it, when you combine those two, you can really knock it out of the park with compassion. So what that tells us is we are biologically wired and then experiences help us really cultivate it in ourselves and in our kids. And we can provide those experiences for ourselves through day-to-day interactions, through really trying to understand and get to the root of what another person is experiencing and come at ourselves and our kids with a sense of curiosity and also mindfulness. So I'm going to end this episode with a couple of mindfulness activities so that you can exercise that muscle the way you would exercise any other muscles in your body. And now a word for my sponsors. Before you book any brunch, don't you go over lists of possibilities and reviews? Before you go to a restaurant, you're doing that. You should definitely do that when you're looking for a doctor's appointment. And with ZocDoc, you can see real verified patient reviews to help find the right doctor in your network and your neighborhood. If your doctor is awesome and recommended by a friend, but doesn't take your insurance, it's another waste of time. If your doctor recommendation is awesome and takes your insurance, but you can't get an appointment for a year, this also does not help. ZocDoc makes it easy to find quality doctors in your network, in your neighborhood, in real time with verified patient reviews so you can find the right doctor for you. Your health matters. You need to take care of it. Your caregiving, which means you definitely need to make sure that you are as healthy as can be. And with ZocDoc, booking an appointment with a doctor that suits your needs and fits your schedule is in your network and your neighborhood is so easy. All you have to do is go to ZocDoc.com. It's totally free. It's an app that shows you doctors who are patient reviewed, take your insurance and are available when you need them. Go to ZocDoc.com slash humans and download the ZocDoc app for free and then start your search for a top rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com slash humans, ZocDoc.com slash humans. Those big wireless providers forget that families come in all shapes and sizes. And that's why Mint Mobile decided to shake up the wireless industry with their brand new modern family plan. Each line starts at $15 a month and you only need two lines to get started. No matter how big or small your family is, you deserve to save on your wireless service. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers wireless for just $15 a month. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate, whether you're buying for one or a family. And at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Plus, Mint Mobile's modern family plan lets you mix and match data plans so everyone gets the amount of data that's right for them. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with your existing contacts. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at $15 a month. And you only need two lines to get started. No matter how big or small your family is, you deserve to save on your wireless service. To get your new wireless plan for just $15 a month, including the Modern Family Plan, go to mintmobile.com humans. That's mintmobile.com humans. 
Go ahead and cut your wireless bill to $15 a month at mintmobile.com slash humans. That's mintmobile.com slash humans. How do we cultivate this in our kids? First, we focus on cultivating it in ourselves. So we really practice exercising that muscle. And also kids who are securely attached or who have that secure attachment dynamic relationship approach, they grow up to be more compassionate. They are more likely to help other people and in turn be healthier themselves. It's totally intuitive. Kids who experience a lack of empathy and a lack of compassion and a lack of consistent stability in their relationship with their primary caregiver or a proxy for a primary caregiver, they are less likely to engage in compassionate thinking and relating. They're less likely to think about the consequences of their actions and how those actions might impact others. So when we raise our kids with both that relationship that we talk about so much of stability, consistency, and connection alongside very clear and age-appropriate limit setting and boundaries. So out of just from that, you're going to have kids that are more likely to be compassionate. And then when you're thinking about discipline, if you're just telling your kids what they did wrong, instead of helping them imagine what the other person experienced, including yourself, to figure out the way through supporting that person, righting that wrong, you're just much less likely to have the opportunity to cultivate compassion. So of course, that means that children of compassionate parents in many studies are found to be more altruistic and helpful and all sorts of things that we sort of categorize in raising good humans. And I don't want to put a value judgment. This may not be one of your values, but I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you're curious about cultivating compassion as a primary value. So challenges to that are going to be stress responses that hijack your brain's capacity to think reasonably to connect. There's actually a very famous study. It's the Good Samaritan study where essentially folks who were giving talks, I think they were in seminary, like giving talks on being Good Samaritans. They did studies where they tested whether they were interrupted by somebody actually needing their help and whether or not they would not be able to pause to be compassionate because they actually had to go give a talk on it or if they would pause. And the difference was if they were pressed for time, if they thought that this was going to make them be late for their talk, they were less likely to be helpers than when time was not a factor. And so that study shows us that that sacred pause that moment where you have space between reaction and response is going to be a pathway to compassion because then you have time to be curious what's going on for this other person. What might I do to support them? What feelings are rising in me right now that is getting in the way of that or not? Am I having a stress response? Like in those folks who were rushing probably were worried about being late. And so they were not in their thinking brain. They were in their stress brain. So pausing, which we learn to practice through mindfulness is going to be 
a very helpful tool in having compassionate responses, which helps you grow as a person, helps you both physically remember reduced risks of heart disease and helps you cultivate relationship with your children and with other beings. And it helps your kids grow compassion. So it's not quite as much work as it seems. Essentially, you have to downshift your stress response, which that's, we've talked about finding the passcode to that alarm system. And for those of you who haven't heard me talk about this, that is something that I noticed when I was moving into a house from an apartment. And so I had an alarm system. And when I walked in, I heard the beeping sound of that warning and alarm's going to go off unless you punch in the passcode. If you don't punch in the passcode, the alarm will go off. Police will come. They think there's an emergency. They need to save the day. If you punch in the passcode, the alarm goes off. No harm done. There was like a little bit of a warning that things might get out of hand, but you had a passcode. And so everybody doesn't need to be on high alert. If you can find your internal passcode, and that could be a box breath, you know, an example is you breathe in, count to three or four if you're a really good deep breather, hold for three or four, breathe out for three or four, and wait for three or four. It can be a phrase that you say to yourself, but decide what your passcode is and practice it every day, not just in the heat of the moment when your child says something that sets you off or somebody cuts you off when you're in the carpool line or whatever, but try to practice it when you're just in the shower or taking a walk because when you practice, it gets stronger and you build the muscle. And So when you can downshift so that you are not in a stress response by punching in those passcodes, then you're able to offer connection and support. You are able to go into the other person's experience, imagine what's going on, and then move through to, so what action can I take to alleviate that suffering? And if you think that it's not going to be available to you because you're too worked up, imagine that you've punched in the passcode you've taken your pause, you think about what your child or someone else is experiencing and then what you can do to take action. And that whole process of compassion, as I said earlier, is going to impact your nervous system. So you're going to release oxytocin and that will activate the neurotransmitters that have the reward system of dopamine and serotonin. So you've got reward and calm You've got the love hormone feeling good. And so now your nervous system is on your team and you are present. And more importantly, you don't burn out. So there's wonderful research by Tanya Singer and her lab that found that empathy lights up the pain centers of your brain. So you step into the emotions of your child or someone else and you get stuck in that. Whereas compassion lights up those love areas, those more easy and positive experiences, and that alleviates the burnout of over-empathizing. So I don't want anybody to confuse getting an understanding of what the experience of another person is with getting stuck there because the compassion requires a more action-oriented curiosity. Why might this be going on? 
what might have happened that set you off this way? Be an investigator instead of a judge. Just think of that. An investigator and a witness, not a judge. Another thing that you can do to grow compassion is shared book reading. You're reading a book and you practice feeling compassion for one of the characters in the book. What might they be feeling? What might you do in a situation if you came across that? Ask your child as they're getting older. We know from research that talking about the experience and intention of the characters in the books helps grow social emotional intelligence. Another very helpful pathway is to ask yourself the most generous interpretation of another person's behavior. What is the most generous interpretation? When you ask that question, instead of going to, my kid did this because they're ungrateful or something that is assuming the worst, try the more generous interpretation, which is they're suffering right now. I wonder what's going on that made them lash out like that when I gave them something that they should be grateful for. So ask yourself that question and it will change the energy of the household or any environment. Like this could be at work, this could be with friends. And not only that, model for your kids that you are giving the most generous interpretation. Help them give a generous interpretation. If they interpret that their sibling did something to hurt them, if they interpret that a friend was mean to them because they were just doing it to you know, not include them, just try a generous interpretation. What might that look like? And not in an annoying way, like I'm sure they're just having a hard day, but actually like, huh, I wonder why you weren't included at that party. One interpretation is this friend doesn't like you, but all the evidence suggests that they do like you. I wonder if they were only allowed to have five people and you were on their list if they were allowed to have 10, but they really could only have five. And so that must've been really hard for them to figure out. How do you feel about that interpretation? Now, this might annoy your kids. So it may be easier to do it when you're reading books or talking about your own life and you just kind of zip it when they're experiencing their feelings and you don't necessarily go to the most generous interpretation for them. And finally, listen to understand versus listening to answer. So when you have a child who's opening up to you, a partner, a friend, just sit there. Again, it goes back to being mindful, being present in that moment, because you're just there to listen and understand what is going on for them instead of being ready with an answer that will really help the other person feel felt. And then you might have an answer, but you might also just pause, give a nice warm touch, take a breath, let them know that you're there and they feel heard. And then after that, you can say, is there anything that I can do to be of service in this moment? Or you might have to say, particularly if you have a very distressed kid or teen, is there anything that I can do that won't make this worse for you? Before I do a mindfulness practice with you, I want to take this opportunity to have a little break so I can tell you about my sponsor. Green Chef is a CCOF certified meal kit company that makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking for an easy way to eat more balanced meals. Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences. 
It's got time-saving recipes packed with fresh produce and vibrant flavors to give you more opportunities to get outside and make the most of sunny days before the summer ends. Fast and fit meals under 700 calories and ready in 25 minutes or less. Green Chef pre-made and pre-measured sauces, dressings, and spices gets you more chef-curated flavors and less time, but it still feels like you're chefing. (laughs) So I can feel like I'm cooking even though all the work is sort of done for me. For a limited time, Green Chef is offering Farm Fresh Selects, a premium collection of farm fresh flavors to elevate your summer evenings. Recipes include chimichurri beef and summer veggie salad, lemon butter salmon and summer succotash, and beef tenderloin and garden couscous salad. Go to greenchef.com slash humans135 and use the code humans135 to get $135 off across five boxes and your first box ships free. Go to greenchef.com slash humans135 and use the code humans135 to get $135 off across five boxes and your first box ships free. Here's another benefit to compassion, which is dopamine helps you remember things. So if you have a compassionate household and you're responding to your kids in this way, they're actually more likely to learn in that moment. And we know that a closed brain does not learn well. So when you widen your window of compassion to allow for more space for it, you actually are growing so many things in the household from physical health to mental health to a longer term vision and picture of just a better world. I'm going to do one compassion mindfulness exercise right now to close this episode. And we can keep talking about compassion. Send me any of your questions on DM at Raising Good Humans podcast, and I'll answer them on the podcast. So if you can give me just a couple more minutes of your time, I'm going to show you a compassion mindfulness activity that you can do by yourself. You can do with your partner, you can do with your kids, and you can do it right now just to have the experience. And again, this is an example of doing mindfulness exercises that can grow the capacity to be present and compassionate in the heat of the moment. So I'm going to ask you to take a breath and just set your intention that you're going to take a couple minutes to yourself to build your compassion muscle. You can sit alone and imagine someone you love deeply. And you can do this exercise sitting across from someone you love deeply. And then you can do this exercise thinking about someone you actually have no strong feelings about, just another person. You can do this exercise before you have a difficult conversation with someone you're struggling to feel compassion for. But right now, sit as easy as you can. So just imagine there's a little bit of ease and find if there are any spots where you have tension, let it go. I often have tension in my neck or my fingers. And just sit with ease. And Picture a person, picture your child, just picture their face 
Imagine them in front of you. As a human being, you are growing. As a fellow human being, just like you. And now silently repeat these phrases while you're imagining or looking at your partner. And by partner, I mean the partner in the exercise. So in this picture, you're looking and you're saying, this child has a body and mind just like me. This child has feelings, emotions, and thoughts just like me. This child in their life has experienced physical and emotional pain, physical and emotional joy, physical and emotional experiences just like me. Now take a breath and look at that face in your mind and say again, this child has a body and a mind just like me. This child has feelings, emotions, and thoughts just like me. This child in their life has experienced physical and emotional pain just like me. They've experienced physical and emotional joy just like me. They've experienced a range of emotions and sensations just like me. Now, if you want to do this exercise in a deeper way with a more complex relationship or because you really want to dig into compassion, here are some other phrases that you can say when you're looking across at the other person, whether it's a picture or you're doing it as an exercise, as a two-person mindfulness exercise. And when you do it that way, you can help guide your kids, you can guide your partner, and they can guide you back. But what you're doing is you're looking at the other person and you're saying, this person has at some point been sad, disappointed, angry, or hurt, just like me. This person has felt unworthy or inadequate at some point, just like me. This person has worries and has been frightened, just like me. This person is learning about life, just like me. This person wants to be caring and kind to others, just like me. This person wishes to be free from pain and suffering, just like me. This person wishes to be safe and healthy, just like me. This person wishes to be happy, just like me. This person wishes to be loved, just like me. Now, these are compassion meditation practices from Tara Brock and Jack Cornfield, but you can adapt them to whatever way you feel most comfortable. And 
You can even have siblings look across from each other and do this compassion exercise to grow their compassion, especially when they're having lots of tension, not in the heat of the moment, because of course that will not go well, but at other times. And a little warning, your kids may laugh at this. Your kids may crack up and think you're ridiculous. And that is okay. That is also an opportunity to heal your nervous system and to feel relaxed and at ease because you're laughing really hard. So it doesn't need to be taken seriously. Your intention is to cultivate compassion. And so I wouldn't want you to go into this exercise and then get irritated with the person sitting across from you or irritated with yourself if you're giggling while you're trying to picture lovingly your child, but you're like, this is absolutely ridiculous. Just try it. With practice, it starts to become part of what you really believe. And it reminds you of the connectedness of all of us. And it takes you out of worst case thinking or approaching problems with the sense of not the most generous interpretation. So again, there may be a lot of laughter. It may seem goofy. This is all part of practice and it can really grow your compassion. 